Welcome to UCLA Anderson's Fully Employed MBA Program Podcast, Drive Time. My name is Dylan Stafford. I'm your host this week. And here we are, and I have a very special interview with two wonderful alumni, Sharon Lee and David Duong, who are each members of the class of 2015. And uh, the reason I've asked them to be on this call together, I had a, I had a, a thought for this podcast that we'll, we'll call this Real Time, Real Results, because Sharon and David, independent of each other as they went through the program were two really great examples of using FEMBA right here, right now to make their careers go better. Sharon, David, welcome to the call. Thank you for being on the podcast with me. Thanks for having us. Yep, happy to be here. Excellent, excellent. We, um, uh, we're in three different locations, so we're doing this interview over, over the conference call. So we're going to kind of go ladies first and start with Sharon. Let me let me give you a little background. Sharon has a, a BA in English from the University of California, Irvine. Um, her career is included an early chapter with Bank of America, uh, where she had a couple different roles. Then um, she worked for Hillstone Restaurant Group. But um, during FEMBA, and actually before FEMBA, during FEMBA, and now continuing, she is now a franchise owner, general manager of uh, two different yogurt, land, yogurt lands, and... Um, and really used the, her entrepreneurial drive to, to bring her to FEMBA and, and then used the FEMBA experience to improve what she was up to and grow her business. So why don't we start uh, sharing with, you know, letting you kind of introduce yourself to people who are listening. Tell us a little bit about your background, kind of what had you what had you come to FEMBA and, and a little bit about how, you know, your experience, because you were definitely on the court during the program, you know, applying what you were learning in real time as you grew your business. Um, my name is Sharon Lee, and I am from the class of 2015. I was in Section 2, which was a Saturday-only class, um, due to the fact that I was working during the week. Um, so previous to business school, um, as Dylan mentioned, I had a couple of different roles. I was a wealth manager with Bank of America. Finance really wasn't my thing, and I pivoted to um, hospitality. Um, which is definitely my thing. Um, so I worked for Hillstone Restaurant Group as a manager for about three years in a lot of different cities. And um, I was in Colorado when they transferred me back to Orange County. And it was at that point where I thought, hmm, you know, this isn't really for me, um, moving around so much. So I thought, you know, I, I've always wanted to pursue higher education and get a master's, and I thought at this point, business school was you know, going to be a good fit. So that's when I decided to apply to the program. Um, I have a location of Yogurtland in Artesia, that one I've had since 2008, but um, I've had managers run that store for me, so I was able to uh, think about going back to school. and. Um, you know, got accepted in December, um, and then decided kind of during my second year that I wanted to open a different store, and that's how um, the most recent store was opened, which was located close to LAX, and yeah, that's my that's my background in a nutshell for you guys. And, and the one by LAX, that's the one right there on Sepulveda, right? It is. It's uh, pretty close to In-N-Out. It's 
it's on the corner of Popovera and La Tijera. A lot of people drive by it when they're going to the airport. Um, and I've had a lot of members visit me, which is great. So exactly, for all of you on the podcast, hey, if you... David. <laughs> I'm just trying to send some business your way by telling people on the podcast, you know, hey, when you're... If you leave LAX and you're going north on Sepulveda out of the airport, it's right there on the right, just, you know, in and outs on your left, and then like one, one and a half blocks further, that one on the right, if you stop there and get yourself a little yogurt on the way home, you are supporting a FEMBA alumni, female-owned FEMBA business to grow and, and prosper. <laughs> yes, come visit me. <laughs> well, um, so, you know, I want to I hear kind of how, how it might have been different opening your second franchise versus your first franchise but but even before that what was it like to come back and get an MBA when you were an English major in undergrad yeah so I was an English major in undergrad because I thought I was going to go to law school and that was my original plan excellent um, and then I kind of got you know in stuck in finance I wasn't it was just supposed to be like a one year two year you know welcome to corporate America and the real world type of deal and then I found that I liked the business aspect of it I just didn't like the finance aspect and um, you know working for Hillstone and being a manager uh, you know you learn basically in you know what you would learn in business school though not formally um, you learn a lot of management tools I suppose so uh, yeah basically so was it, was it, you know, because a lot of times, you know, people, some of the people listening to the podcast are considering FEMBO or they've been admitted newly, you know, and, and there's the whole idea of, you know, the quantitative rigorous component of business school. Sometimes it gets intimidating for people as an English major who'd had on the job training and management, um, but who'd been thinking about law school. How, how was it? How was the, the curricular experience here? If you, you know, were you, were, did you feel like you could keep up and hold your own, even though you had the more liberal arts preparation yeah so the quantitative part I'm not gonna lie was a bit challenging um, I mean there was statistics and then finance and operations which was all quant heavy but the really great thing is that you know there's TAs and the professors are always willing to help you um, you know in office hours but the, the integral part of it is your teammates so a lot of people come from arts backgrounds. Um, not a lot of people are strong in quant. A lot of people, I think, have a misconception that a lot of business school students are engineers and you know come from really quant-heavy backgrounds. But that really isn't the case. Um, in fact, there was just, you know there was like a farmer in our class. And <laughs> oh, that's right. We just kind of band. Yeah, so we just kind of band together, and you know there were a lot of study sessions, you know, during the week and. Um, so, you know, you get through it and you learn, and it was a really good experience. So even for people with liberal arts background, I really think that it's definitely doable. It'll challenge you, but it's definitely doable. Well, that's great. Yeah, I was a history major in undergrad, and I went to University of Chicago, and they were all about quant. And one of my roommates was a business undergrad, and he always told me, Oh, Dylan, you're getting more value for your dollar because you've never seen this before. This is like a review for me because he was business econ undergrad. So he said that to make me feel better. I still felt like, oh, my God, this curriculum is hard, but whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, it was totally the same way with me. I was like, uh, I don't know if I've ever taken statistics before. 
have a lot of people there that have taken it before, uh, and it's kind of elementary to them, and they'll they'll help you. Yeah, and, and your and your and your point is so perfect that it it is all about the community. You know, you're surrounded with all these intelligent people, so just you know, reach out your hand, ask for help. Yeah, I had a I had a friend um, in my stats class. She totally got me through stats because I would call her Monday morning at six a.m. to work through problem sets I'd gotten stuck on over my Sunday night study sessions. You know, and she was gracious and she took the call. Crazy kind of stuff that you do as you build these relationships through school. Well, tell me, this is the one I, you know, for, for our kind of real-time, real results. So you had started your first franchise in Artesia before business school, and then halfway through your second year, you opened up your second yogurt land, the one down by LAX in Westchester. So, you know, what was it like to kind of observe yourself as a working professional doing, you know, a big acquisition for the second time, opening a franchise, but having your MBA toolkit, your MBA network you know, where could you see the differences then, and, and what was that like? Yeah, so it was a completely different experience. Um, you know, first of all, I was younger when I opened my first one, and I didn't have, you know, an MBA, or I wasn't pursuing an MBA education. So that one was far more, it was a bumpier ride, I would say, Yeah. the second one. Um, the second one, you know, I opened right after core classes, so I was doing a ton of marketing classes for the purpose of, you know, having it benefit my business. And in fact, I remember, I think it was brand management um, that I did a couponing study um, as a final project, and I had, you know, three people in my group, and they were all, you know, champions of my business, and we did a couponing study to figure out you know, what type of coupons um, have the, the biggest thing. So, think for your book, biggest ROI. So, it was, you know, we found some interesting results, and, you know, that's helped me to this day. Um, essentially, kind of using consumer psychology to drive couponing behavior. So, I mean, it's, I definitely learned a lot, um, and that, but I think the biggest thing is confidence. If anything was going wrong with the business, if it was, you know, anything with organizational behavior, I can always reach out to a professor and say, hey, you know, I'm going through XYZ situation, what would you recommend? And it's really having that network there to really support um, your business. Everyone wants you to succeed. And I definitely did not have that the first time. Let's talk around. Well, I love that. I have your resume here in front of me, and I love that on your kind of vision statement, a confident and kind professional. I love that language that you choose to articulate about yourself because you always strike me as, I mean, like you always have this like megawatt smile and you are always so optimistic. It's, you know, you always kind of light up a room. And here you were, you had started your first yogurt land three years out of undergrad. So you had a little bit of confidence going there, girlfriend. I mean, I can just observe. Like, that was with an English degree. <laughs> so, I mean, when you say, so to me, you strike me as kind of a baseline confident person, but you could actually for yourself see a stair step up for the confidence that you know yourself to have as you went through FEMBA. Am I hearing you accurately? Absolutely. It's the confidence that comes with it. You know, you kind of get like a big boost when you're like, hey, I was accepted to UCLA. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, boost of confidence. So you're more like, you know, you're more self-assured when you start something while you are an MBA candidate. 
candidate as opposed to someone who, you know, just has their BA or BS. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's great. Yeah, and then like you, and then you, you know, you gave a a good specific example. You're one of the things that's great about FEMBA is you can customize your electives. You know, forty five percent of your curriculum you get to choose. So for you, you loaded up on a lot of marketing electives because you wanted that specifically. And then you know, you gave that example of the brand management class and a couponing study. That's like a real time right now specific. I can I can apply that towards how I run my businesses. Exactly. It was immediately applicable. Um, I also focused a lot on organizational behavior classes uh, with Professor Ullman in particular. Um, anyone knows when you are running a business, the human aspect of you know running a business is equally as challenging as you know marketing or the accounting of a business. So that definitely helped me how to optimize like team performance, um, how to incentivize employees. Um, Etc. Yeah. Yeah, Professor Ullman, he is a fascinating man. I've I love listening to him talk about leadership and things. And then and then Margaret She, our new senior associate dean, you know, she is in the organizational behavior program, and she's making me a better manager because she's kind of I you know I get all kind of focused on the end result, and she's really really taught me the last two years that I've worked under her. Yes, focus on the end result, but also ask yourself. You know, how are your people growing? And I always consider myself kind of a, you know, a people-centric person, but I think I'm a more refined people-centric person from, you know, because she's leading us with a lot of that skill set straight out of the OB field. I love yeah, that. I could see that. And I mean, she's great. We had her for organizational behavior before she became a dean. Oh, for uh, 409 or is it 409? The Yeah, the first quarter. Yeah, exactly. The first quarter, along with that, <laughs> you had a balance. <laughs> oh, that's great, Sharon. Well, um, I guess the last question for you, and then and then maybe we'll turn over to David, and we'll probably come back to you also after we have have David's piece. But um, you know, how many times have you catered yogurt land to Femba Palooza now? You've done it a couple. Okay. And then I catered about three times to the admin meetings that are on campus. That's right. That's yeah, right. You like catered. FEMBA office. Yeah. Yeah. Like our all staff FEMBA meetings. Well, you know, like, what is it like as an alum to, I don't know, I'm just guessing. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, except I'm totally going to do that. It seems like it would be really satisfying, you know, to be a business owner who has, you know, a service or a good that people really want, and then to be able to bring that back. I mean, Femba Palooza is basically, except for commencement, you know, Femba Palooza is our biggest event of the year, and here you are bringing dessert. You know, what's it like to see your career, like, in reality, you know? Like, you're really doing this in front of your peers. What's that like? I mean, it's amazing, but it also helps that you guys have wine and beer there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, what what goes better with yogurt than wine and beer? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Um, no, it's amazing to see it come full circle. And, you know, you guys, the FEMBA staff and admin, have been so supportive of the businesses from day one. And I was honestly, you know, very honored to 
um, when you guys ask me to be a part of it. So it's really great seeing the, you know, the excitement of incoming students. Um, the last time that we had Samba Palooza, I was there and I had like four other Sambas helping me serve um, yogurt. So nice. That was awesome. Yeah, four of my closest friends from Samba, they all you know, work the assembly line, so to speak, with me, and we were able to talk to so many of the incoming students, and, you know, it was it was a great time. It feels awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, this year, maybe we'll get you, maybe we can do one of those learning on the lawn modules, and you can do, you know, what it's like to be a female-owned business or, you know, franchisee, owner-operator, because I bet, you know, in addition to people being served delicious Dessert. I bet a lot of people would love to hear, you know, the lessons learned because you're you're out there on the court being an entrepreneur, and I know so many of our students either want to do that now or they want to do it later in their career. So we'll keep evolving that relationship. That's my commitment. Absolutely, I would love that. Awesome. Well, um, if you don't mind hanging out for a few minutes, let me uh, do the 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 second part of this interview. And David, are you awake? You still out there? <laughs> well, okay, so everyone listening, so the, the first interview was Sharon Lee, and now this is David Duong, who is also in the class of 2015, and is a double Bruin, went to UCLA undergrad, and did study economics, um, and then really had a, had a series of very fortunate events that he worked hard to make happen um, during his, his time in, in FEMBA, and that's part of the reason I thought this would be kind of a nice one-two interview is that we could hear the the real-time entrepreneurial successes of Sharon and then kind of complement that with you, David, with, you know, real-time career transitions. Uh, David is was a big active member of, of FEMBA Council and helped with ambassadors and everything, and I've heard him tell his story at various open houses along the way, but why don't, why don't you refresh everybody now? If, if, why don't you kind of just introduce yourself and your background and kind of walk people through some of the, the career the really successful career moves that you articulated for yourself while you were here. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. Um, after I graduated from UCLA, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and happened to fall into um, auditing and accounting because that's what all my friends were doing at the time. So really early in, I realized that it, it, it wasn't for me. Uh, for anybody that is an auditor out there, you know that we're essentially the janitors of the financial world. You know, we go into companies, everybody hates us, and we're cleaning up a lot of mess that people make in their books. So, yeah, um, having a job where, you know, you're switching companies on almost a monthly basis and everybody hates you from the start, uh, it wasn't really the <laughs> ideal situation for me. Sell so, it. Um, sell it, David. Sell it. <laughs> I said sell it. Yeah. Sell it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, not to dog auditors out there, but, it, yeah, it just it just wasn't for me since I, I my, my spirit is definitely more of a – that belongs in a uh, creative sandbox. Um, but yeah, started a business at that time with a couple of friends selling Greek letter cookie cutters, and that's where I got my first taste in sales and marketing. Um, so it helped our, our team kind of um, build out what our marketing strategy was going to be, as well as was the main salesperson. So uh, along with some other people, we helped sell our cookie cutters into over 100 college campuses. Uh, across the United States, so it was pretty awesome to be able to go back to my alma mater and see our uh, cookie cutters being sold in the student store. Um, so yeah, with, with that kind of entrepreneurial experience, realized that, that marketing was more of my thing, uh, quit my job in accounting and took a 70% pay cut 
to um, just start getting marketing experience. And during that same time was also when I started applying to school and taking my GMAT and stuff like that. So um, once I got into the Anderson program, um, actually one of my classmates who was a year older than me, I was 2015 and she was class of 2014, she hired me um, pretty much into what I would say is one of my dream companies. And I started working at Electronic Arts on their, their mobile uh, marketing team. So it was an awesome time to, to be in mobile marketing. That's when there's this huge transitioning happening. Um, App Store came out just a few years ago and uh, mobile games were blowing up. And I was there during the transition for when a lot of people started making free-to-play games and trying to crack that nut on how to monetize people in that space as well as how to market to people in that space. So um, worked two years while I was in Samba at Electronic Arts and during my last year, again, through a classmate, I was able to get connected with some people at Activision and I transitioned from a purely marketing role to a hybrid uh, product management slash marketing role over at Activision on the Skylanders team. Um, and here, uh, what I do now is I, I help, I'm helping with building out their mobile strategy, help them launch a game called Skylanders Battlecast and um, work on product optimization as well as um, overall marketing. And that's where I'm at now. Wow, so both of your, both, well, I mean, because, well, let me back up. One thing I love that I've heard you say before is is how you really did feel like, you know, you were successful as an auditor. You were good at what you were doing. People wanted you to keep doing that and that you had that kind of pre-FEMBA, there was, there was kind of a headwind. You know, you're like, well, hang on. I, I got a, a whole life in front of me. I don't want to be an auditor forever. I want you guys to give me some respect and, and listen to me newly as a marketing person. But you were having, you know, people didn't want to hear you in a new way. They wanted to keep you kind of in the box you were in. I'm, I'm paraphrasing poorly, but is that kind of what it was like? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, that's exactly what it was like. Uh, it was definitely super hard transitioning. Um, and, and even applying to school, um, wanting to, to kind of uh, head in, get, in, get into marketing as opposed to being an accountant. So I, I remember being straight up asked a lot of times, you know, what, what makes you think that you can succeed uh, as in the creative space? And um, I was tired of kind of not being given a chance, so I decided to show people why I thought I could succeed in the space. And um, I mean, you've seen some of my work too, Dylan. I, I had to send some something through to Anderson to prove it to you guys as, as well, right? Um, so I definitely have um, a, a tactic that I started using to kind of break into places was in my PDF, that, uh, my, my resume PDF that I was, I was sending out to places. I was actually linking them um, to my YouTube channel where I had created a couple of videos. And um, the, the, the application video that I created at Anderson, actually, it was one of the things that helped Landed, landed me the interview at EA and even at Activision. And uh, for my first week at, at, at EA, I remember everybody that I met was like, oh, you're the guy with the music video that was in their, in their uh, resume, right? And so that's how everybody knew me at EA when I first met them was, was the guy with the music video. Yeah, and, and just so you know, I showed uh, the at Leadership Foundations, you know, orientation for the entering class last year, there was a little pause on Friday afternoon while we were waiting for one of the one of the sections to finish with their survey and come to Corn Hall, and we're waiting for Dean Olean to arrive. And I said, "Hey, you guys, you want to just talk to each other? You want me to show you funny videos?" And <laughs> everybody said, "Funny videos!" And so I, I showed that video to you know 300 plus people in Corn Hall, put the lights down, and you know, and they still they always laugh at that scene where you throw yourself off the balcony, quote unquote. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we'll we'll put some That's links. Exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> 
we'll put some links to that in the production notes for this interview with you and Sharon. Um, and people can watch that video because, uh, yeah, for those of you, I mean, David, among other talents, he's an incredibly gifted dancer, choreographer. Um, I don't even know what to call it because you're, you're doing a lot in that video. You got two or three different songs all woven into one and you you tricked out the lyrics and made it all UCLA centric. I mean, it was, I remember seeing that going, who is this guy? <laughs> and I want him to be a student here, please like fast track this guy. I love creativity. So, well, um, let's see. So, th so that was the first thing I wanted was just that how you were able to sp specifically use Femba in real time to reframe who would hire you and who would hire you for what. And you got out of, you know, a totally legitimate, you know, well-paying pathway audit leading to accounting. You got out of that and got into marketing. And then the second part of it is during the program, you landed two sequential dream jobs, basically leveraging the caliber and quality of the of the real-time network that, you know, that's a great thing. People forget that about FEMBA, but hey, all my classmates have a job, which is a highly useful thing <laughs> to be associated with. A whole bunch of smart, capable, qualified people who are working at, you know, some of the premier destinations of the West Coast. Like, who would not want to have all those people red hot and right now in their LinkedIn, you know, personal professional network and, you know, both with Electronic Arts and with Activision, you know, so just if you don't mind, I know you kind of hit it already, but circle back a little bit to, you know, like, how'd you go about that kind of networking? How did you do that? Was it hard? Was it easy? Was it, you know, a lot of footwork, a medium amount? Was it a happy accident? Like people on the call or excuse me, people on the podcast are going to be listening going, well, this guy, maybe he's just really awesome. How do I know that that would happen for me? So kind of walk people through that. Yeah, so a, a bit of it was a happy accident, but it's, it's also just thanks to kind of building genuine relationships with people in the program. I mean, um, I, I took on a lot of social responsibility when I was in the program because that was my belief was, you know, to, to get people helping each other out, you needed to create genuine relationships. And I feel like um, what got me to where I am was just being able to connect with people. And um, once you're able to connect with people and build that relationship in your program, just see it as an additional 100, you know, 300 sets of eyes and ears that are on the ground listening to what opportunities are out there. Um, so with, with the Activision experience, I would say this is kind of like the, the most, uh, and, and just with, uh, in addition to Activision, at that same time, I was also recruiting for a company called Riot. And uh, one of my classmates, he worked in HR at a company at, at Riot. And we had lunch one day, and he's like, you know what, man? Uh, we're starting to book build out our mobile strategy, and we really need someone like you to, to help us out. I know you've done a lot of stuff at, at Electronic Arts, and I think you'd be super valuable to us. Have you ever considered working at Riot? I told him no. Um, you know, uh, those type of games weren't really the games that I was into, and I probably wouldn't be able to offer a lot because um, I don't know a lot about that game. And he, you know, over the course of this one-hour lunch, he just kept pitching me the company and selling me and selling me and selling me. And by the end of the lunch, I was like, you know what? The company sounds pretty cool, so I'll give it a try. Um, I had a talk with him and a couple of other people. They sold me on the company and started, uh, you know, getting me prepped for interviewing. And around that same time with a previous class, uh, classmate, um, he let me know about the, the Activision opportunity and that, hey, I know originally when you wanted to come to business school, you wanted to work on toys, well, um, and now you're in gaming, but there's this franchise at Activision that you know, is in gaming, but also operates with toys. So it's kind of the perfect marrying of what I wanted to do slash what I was doing. 
And um, yeah, both of those opportunities came from classmates that understood what my desires were, what I wanted to accomplish in life. And independently, they kind of came up to me with these opportunities to pull me in that direction. And at the end of the day, I ultimately took the Activision um, position uh, while I was recruiting. But yeah, a, a lot of it is, is connecting with your classmates. And, um, you know, once you, once you are you've built that relationship, you know, they're out there looking for jobs for you as well because um, at, at Anderson, like, we, we understand we're all pretty sharp people. Um, we're all going to succeed one way or another, and we see it a lot less as competition than, um, you know, more, more of like a collaboration to, to help people get what they want. And even when I was um, interviewing for the, for the electronic arts job, uh, one of my, my classmates, um, Kathy, who's a friend of Sharon and I's, uh, she was interviewing for that job as well. And I remember I, I went uh, before she did, and I ended up giving her a ton of intel on, you know, how to prep for the job, what she needed to know. Um, and yeah, I, I really didn't have a, a problem with kind of doing that. Uh, yes, there was only one spot open, but hey, you know, we're, we're all in this to help each other out. And if she got it and I didn't, um, you know, eventually she might be able to pull me in to get a job there. That's kind of how I would say a vast majority of us look at things um, is, you know, once you create that bond, how can we help each other out to succeed versus how am I going to step on this person to get to where I want to be? Um, and, you know, that's what that's what Anderson provided for me is just a, a lot of assistance in this area to, to get to where I wanted to be. Well, I love that. And, and, you know, Sharon's point about confidence, you know, it takes a certain amount of confidence to be, you know, only one person is going to be hired. You know, I'm interviewing, you're interviewing, and here I am. I'm going to share a lot of great intel because I'm confident that this is all going to work out, right? Riot's a great company, but so is EA and so is Activision. And, you know, we only need one job at a time. And, you know, it's like the last thing I want to say, and then we're going to kind of start to wrap it up because I know Sharon has an engagement she's got to get to. And I want to ask you guys each for a personal productivity trip tip to uh, kind of complete the podcast, like something that you're using either a hack or an app or anything, you know, because I'm, I'm always curious about how people manage these busy lives that, that FEMBAs have both during school and as alumni. But um, the last one I want you to touch on, David, because I still quote you on this one too, is could you tell people a little bit handshakes to hugs. Cause I love, I, I think you came up with that. I don't know. I always associate it with you. Maybe someone else did, but I loved that articulation of the special kind of culture around here. Dean Olian calls it share success, but I thought handshakes to hugs was even a stronger articulation of that kind of, there's something special in the water here. There's something special in the culture here. Could you talk to that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of created that. That was my uh, tagline for my platform, I guess you would say, for when I was running for the uh, VP of social position. Um, and it's, uh, again, it's something I, I really believe in. And uh, what that means to me is just really... Uh, at the end of the day, if, if I if one of my really good friends from my childhood is asking me for help with like a job versus someone that I, I maybe just met in in class, um, I'm gonna help that friend first. You know, I I owe my life to this person. We're really good friends. Um, in any situation where I'm pitted against an acquaintance and a friend, I'm always gonna help the friend first. Um, and so my idea and my desire, what I wanted to do at Anderson, was to make sure that 
we all built those deeper relationships. And I definitely invested a lot in the social scene there because I, instead of, you know, us greeting each other on campus, when we see each other, um, you know, outside of school, instead of just giving someone a handshake, which you do to someone that's an acquaintance or someone that you meet for the first time, you're giving that person a big hug, you know, showing that person that you miss them, that you have bonded with them, that you are attached to this person in some way, spiritually, emotionally, just something deeper than just a, a handshake and, you know, generic kind of um, questions when you're kind of just talking to someone that you really don't know, um, as opposed to having deep conversations and like just that, that next level of bonding. So um, that's what I wanted to create at Anderson, um, and I, that's what I hope has, has been created and continues to live on. Um, I definitely share that sentiment with a lot of my classmates, um, and yeah, that's kind of where that, that phrase came from and um, what I believe is alive and well in the Anderson community. Well, thank you. That's, I, I just think it's a, it's a beautiful turn of phrase. You know, I, it's, it's very clear that auditing was not your, your, your final destination. I think marketing is definitely <laughs> where you need to be. And uh, what is it? Skylanders yeah. what? Skylanders Battle? Skylanders Battle. 